Do you want to make more Dynasty trades? Sure, we all do. Tune in once a week to the Trade Addicts podcast and see how easy it is to train to be a great Dynasty trader. At Trade Addicts Pod, thousands of men and women have prepared to win championships without sacrificing value. And now, from your phone, car, or computer, you can learn to increase your team's Dynasty value. Many topics such as keep trade by, make amends, and trade addicts trades will get you ready to make your own trades. So make the important call right now and check out the Trade Addicts podcast. DynastyLeagueFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. That's stuff we all get. If everyone is thinking alike, someone isn't thinking. Oh, I like that. I oh, Okay, we got to come back to that. I got to finish the intro, but then we got to talk about that for a second. And it's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City, and this is the Superflex Super Show! A little extra energy for you, Swag. Hell yeah. <laughs> I know you. Hell I, yeah. I know I didn't you. Want uh, to interrupt that. <laughs> I know that you don't you don't need it, but you appreciate it. So oh, we had to man, do yes. uh, I'm here for that. I expect that. What do you mean I don't need it? <laughs> I'm I, I'm done. I, I can go now. Yeah. <laughs> that's all that's all it takes. <laughs> <laughs> not even touching your chair anymore so yeah let's, <laughs> so now we can do a freaking podcast hell yes super show's back it's been a while i keep i say that every episode i mean it's just been so sporadic this has been the toughest most like most like out of sync off season that i've that i've ever had uh but um, I mean, I'm sure part of it is, you know, not having a proper co-host, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And Just I mean, like, kind of refocusing too. I mean, getting back into it, you're doing different stuff. Like we did the super flex city stuff, the, the Scott fishbowl themed, you were on the DLF live feed. And I mean, anytime you do like one of those projects where you're kind of have a goal of like interviewing people for a project like that, it, um, it takes away from some other stuff you're doing. So totally yeah that's what it was yeah by the way that that live stream for uh on the dlf youtube channel um calling it super flex super fridays that's gonna happen every friday so uh definitely join those um get in the chat and uh man we had some awesome questions on the the first episode this past friday it was a lot of fun nice and uh yeah we're gonna we're going to do some, uh, you know, we'll look at rankings. We'll do more mailbag stuff. And we're going to analyze ADP. So there's new Superflex ADP coming to DynastyLeagueFootball.com. We're just finishing up the last mock right now. And uh, there's there's kind of a story within the story there, which is that this, uh, this round for this uh, July ADP, we uh set out to to break the record for for the quickest uh ADP mock the previous record was 6 days and 17 minutes this group this freaking group man they broke the record uh by uh, like cut it in half basically almost in half almost completely in it. yeah it was uh 3 days um something like two hours and, and 21 minutes, something like that. Like it was, it was crazy quick. Was, was that first record trying to be made or did that just happen? No. Yeah. It just happened. So that's the thing. This like, was a very determined group, like with the, the eye on the goal of crushing that previous record. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We kind of decided that we wanted to, to go for it, but yeah, that other group was just so they were just on top of it you know, from the jump and, and just flew through it. And I was, 
like by the end of it, I was like, holy hell, how'd you guys do that? <laughs> I think it's done. <laughs> yeah. Now I have to start another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's kind of awesome to do it that way because just like every, nobody wants to be the weak link, you know, when you're just flying through a mock like that. So, uh, which is how you got involved with this, by the way, because I knew I was going to be the weak link. If we... <laughs> well, we were talking about that before the show, though. I think we were. We were one of the teams tied for last place as far as time. And I think part of the reason for that was because we were teamed up, because so many times, like, you'd even tell me you were busy, but I'd be kind of like, I hope John comes in makes a pick <laughs> here. Like mine might piss him off. <laughs> like, and then you're just like, ah, eh, screw it. I'll make a pick here. Try to not yeah. piss John off. <laughs> well, I kind of picked you to, to uh, team up with partly because you and I really do think a lot alike. So it was going to be really tough for you to make a pick that I wasn't going to, uh, to agree with. So, yeah, it was a uh, it, it that was very strategic. I knew I wasn't going to be able to make a lot of picks. I made a few of them. Um and I and I'm actually going to be curious uh when we go through when we look at our roster, I'm curious if uh there were times where I made a pick that kind of flew in the face of of the strategy that you were going for as our primary yeah. roster builder. And there were a couple of times like that where even I'd be thinking or I, I'd be in the draft room not knowing you were in there and then you'd make a pick and you'd pick one of the two or three players that I kind of was looking at, yeah. which was good to know, too, that we were so close in a couple of those areas. But there's some areas it was tougher to pick because of players I know you don't like. And um, I had that too much in my head. It, it probably shouldn't have been there. Yeah, <laughs> because I mean, we we always we do end up uh, I mean, we talk about this a lot that like there's a there's a time and a place for absolutely everyone, you know, yeah, like, you know that I hate Mike Williams. I don't think that you do. <laughs> we both hate Will Fuller. There you go. No, there's an, you, there's you, an I, answer. Too. I don't hate Mike Williams. You're absolutely right. Yeah, but um. Not like you're a. a I get it. Proponent. I get. I totally get where you're coming from on those kind of like wide receivers that are kind of like you've seen their their ceiling weeks. You've seen their ceiling seasons, and their weeks aren't bad. But like you've said in the yeah. past, when are you going to pick to start Mike Williams? And if your team is hinging on Mike Williams, you're already in trouble. Right. But if he's kind of stashed, then. Hogue's argument is, well, when are you going to freaking start him anyway? And and I get it when you get to that point. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, best ball is a little bit different. You know, there's it, it makes a little bit more sense to I mean, you can really just kind of, you know, load up on those guys mm -hmm. who are going to be who are that boom bust. Like, that's actually a pretty, pretty valid strategy, you know. But like, yeah, when you have to set a lineup, like when the hell are you ever going to know? You know, and, and yeah. usually the example I like to use is with rookie wide receivers and rookie tight ends. It's like those guys are going to have some nice games. You're not going to see it coming, but yep. they're going to have some big games for you. You know, but like there are some guys out there. There's some wide receivers in this league, veteran guys. We've had several years now to watch these guys, to analyze their data. And still, when the hell do you start? And, and to me, Mike Williams is kind of the, the example of that. Um, like I've said, like Will Fuller. Will Fuller's, I guess, a little different. Like he's pretty consistent when he's on the field. It's just the availability is just next to nada, you know? Yeah. Um, and there are a handful of guys like that. Jarvis Landry is uh is similar um i've kind of come around a little bit on him but like the fact that he's just kind of like he doesn't score touchdowns it just annoys the shit out of me man i'm just like i can't i can't deal with that you know <laughs> like i've yeah. got to have there has to be the, the like some kind of upside there so like i've so, I, i've got a list of those guys let <laughs> me fast forward really quick then yeah and 1306, I am sitting there 
this is this is a pick I wanted you to come in and pick. I remember this pick. 1306, I'm sitting there waiting for my John to yeah. come in and make a pick, but he's too busy. And I'm like, man, this is where I'm like, dude, I might take Mike Williams here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So I took instead with John in the back of my head, I took Darnell Mooney. And mm-hmm. my reasoning behind that was it wasn't necessarily you, but it was because I am at this point in Mike Williams' career that I would almost rather shoot for the Mooney and and <laughs> kind of see what happens with that and Justin Fields and kind of start fresh. You know, I think they both have – I don't think it's going to be worse than Mike Williams, I guess is what I'm saying. But if I can replenish and get some kind of fresh upside in there, the community's really kind of – into him right now and and it might get a little bit better so for me that's kind of part of that competitive rebuild and if i can get a wide receiver that's a little bit younger that i feel sort of the same about Mm -hmm. i don't know so would you go mooney over mike williams yes yeah i like that pick the guy i really would have took is brian edwards who went at 1309 but like Brian Edwards and like Darnell that. Mooney are 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 kind of similar. It's it's a similar concept, you know, a second year guys that we didn't see a whole lot of last year. What we did see was impressive, I thought. But like the bottom line is, you know, we don't we don't know yet what their career trajectory is going to look like. You mm-hmm. know, either one of those guys. We there's there's a chance for a breakout. There's a chance for a pretty high floor. For both guys, there's a chance that they're, you know, week in and week out starters, which is on it. Like, that's what I want. I want wide receivers yeah. with a with the floor that I can just set it and forget it, you know, because yeah. I don't I don't want to have to it. it, it so it's a little bit like uh, like Mark Zuckerberg talks about how he's got one, um, you know, he, he's got one outfit in his closet at all times. So that he doesn't have to decide, you know, every day what the hell he's going to wear. He's like, I have enough decisions to make. I end up with decision fatigue if I'm if I also have to think about, you know, what what clothes I'm going to put on my body and what food I'm going to put in my face, you know, like That's stuff funny. like that. I didn't know that. And and yeah, like it's yeah, it's called decision fatigue. And and I think that fantasy football players can fall into that quite a bit. And wide receiver is one of those things. It's similar to what clothes am I going to wear today? You know, it's kind of the same type of concept. It's like there is very little return on, you know, making a quote unquote good decision on that. Mm -hmm. Like, like making a good decision at wide receiver versus making a bad decision at wide receiver. It's probably the difference of like five points. Yeah. You know, so yeah. it's like, why are we spending time trying to t- trying to figure out which wide receiver we want to start when we could be devoting that that time and that thought process to the positions that actually that, you know, where there's there's actually an advantage to be gained at mm-hmm. running back at, at quarterback and, you know, with the right scoring settings at tight end. Yeah. So. You know, so that's that's the thing. Like, I'm looking for wide receivers that I can just leave in my lineup at all times, not have to make decisions there, and, you know, that aren't going to take up a bunch of, of roster space and force me into that decision-making process. I don't, I don't want that. So I want minimalist at wide receiver, and I don't feel like Mike Williams gives you that opportunity. Yeah. No, Darnell Mooney might. Right, Brian might. You know, Brian Edwards might. We don't know yet, but we do know that Mike Williams doesn't give us that opportunity. You know, like you have to decide between Mike Williams and, you know, I mean, back to Will Fuller. Like you have to decide between those two guys. And it's like, just give me somebody who who just takes one roster spot and doesn't represent a decision, you know. That's Will Fuller went 12 11. So it was close in, in front of your boy, Johnu Smith, Hunter Henry, Michael Gallup, Jalen Rager, Raheem yeah. Mostert, Marquise Brown, and then our Darnell Mooney. And then Mike Williams was actually the next pick at 1307 by Matt Akers. 
Yeah. And he left a comment and um, I know you're going to read a lot of the comments here, but I'm going to read this one really quick. Cause I kind of, I get what he's saying. He says, I like the upside with Herbert this season. William certainly has a size and skill set, but health remains a big question. And, you know, I could see Herbert in his second year spreading the ball around a little bit more. I don't know if we're going to see like that 145 to 160 targets going all the Keenan Allen. So I do kind of get what he's saying. I, I don't hate the the mindset of Matt there on that pick. But yeah. like then you show me the way to Brian Edwards and I'm like, man, I would probably, <laughs> re- you know what I mean? Two picks later. So, right. Yeah. Yeah, if it it feels like kind of regardless of how the the targets are dispersed in that Chargers offense, it's it just is going to get spread around, like you mm-hmm. said. I mean, you know, like it doesn't really matter too much what the breakdown is. It's just like there's a lot of guys that are going to be involved there. You know, you just don't know for sure to what extent. Like. I mean, you pick your favorite, Jalen Guyton, Tyron Johnson, Josh Palmer. Like one of those guys is going to still be pretty involved because they mm-hmm. were, you know, Josh Palmer obviously wasn't there, but Guyton and Johnson were pretty involved last year. Yeah. Um, you know, Hunter Henry leaves, Jared Cook comes in. Plus, like, I still really like Donald Parham. I don't think he's going to be a volume guy, but. You know, that could be the type of uh, he he could he could definitely vulture some red zone targets from guys like Mike Williams, you know, so and then Austin Eckler catches the ball really well out of the backfield. So it's just like what is really available to any of them other than Keenan Allen, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so. The the point of this episode, what we really wanted to do is break down this draft uh, for, for a lot of reasons. I mean, it was done at remarkable speed. Um, and, you know, I, I really wanted to shout out the, the guys involved with this. So, Swags, you know, you ended up running our draft uh, for the most part. I made a few picks, but it was largely you. And, and you know, you're so you're a big part of this draft. Um, at loon dog was, was, uh, was it actually, I'm going to go one, one through, uh, 12 here. So at stony three twenty six at loon dog, uh, at J burn five seventeen, uh, at losing my bets, uh, at, uh, El Cunado, uh, L un- El Cunado underscore 22, uh, and then was us. At six, um, number seven was at Matt Acres twelve, um, uh, at King Jersey Duck, at D Dog one fifty seven, at Jake underscore in the six oh four, at Big C underscore seventy one, and at J Graham forty one. So those are the guys who just set the record for the fastest mock draft. And I, you know, I felt like it needed to be called out that that happened, that these guys did that. Um, it, it's, it's, it really is a pretty remarkable feat to get a super flex dynasty startup draft done 20 rounds in three days. Yeah. That's a pretty remarkable feat, but I, you know, I think that sometimes people feel like, you know, if you're, if you do it that fast, it's going to be without a whole lot of, you know, a whole lot of thought goes into it. It's going to be a lot of just like, let me just grab somebody here as quick as I can and move on. And I don't think that that's the case. I think that this was still a very thoughtful draft. And I think that it's worth breaking down, you know, the way these decisions were made in such a short amount of time. So, You know, that's kind of why we wanted to do it this way. Do this. I would episode. even add that it, it maybe helps you to not overthink it and maybe just kind mm-hmm. of go with some of those first impulses and kind of think with your head instead of your heart and yeah. don't, don't let your heart or head mess with you. I don't know how that goes, but you know. <laughs> something. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, that's a great point too, though, because I, I mean, I always say, 
you know, go, go all in on you, go all in on your best ideas, go Mm -hmm. all in on what you know, you know, and if you're not sitting there, you know, trying to, trying to decide, like, do I make the value pick or do I take the guy I want? You just queue up the names that you want because, you know, that like, that's the roster that I want. Honestly, I think that you're going to end up with a better roster. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much universal. I think you're going to end up, and not only with a better roster, uh, like I think that you're going to have a better team. You're going to have a team that you're more comfortable with. I think you're going to manage that team better, you know? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that it's it's actually pretty important to, uh, you know, to, to draft more instinctually than uh or instinctive whichever whichever is a is a word uh draft with your instincts more than with your you know like you said overthinking it and you know worrying about value which i know is a pretty big bugaboo for you well yeah well and even like you know you said at the top of the story just even like that self-thought if if everyone's thinking alike someone isn't thinking you know and that's even kind of what you can see in this draft is everybody kind of thinking a little bit differently and then expressing their thoughts of why they thought this way. And, um, and I think people just, people don't understand what a big part of value they actually are. And if you ever want to be a part of anything or any kind of movement, like value is something that we can always change in any aspect of life. I mean, whether it's like your moral values or, these dynasty values that we talk about, like you can't change values by just adhering to what's in front of you. It it just isn't a, a, a positive way to live in my opinion, you know? So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to agree. And, and it's interesting because, you know, that's a concept that you're not going to get very many people in this, in this industry to, to get on board with. So, yeah. You know, so while I I recognize that we're really kind of uh, pandering a little bit to the to the people who just completed this draft in this episode. So uh, what, I, what were you going to do for them? And you decided that yeah. our roster was excluded because it's our our team's too good for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, uh, it after we do our breakdown here, um, we're going to do a. Uh, so we're we're gonna we've got the first we've got the top two teams in terms of uh, draft speed, uh, the two teams that drafted the fastest, which was it was uh, what was Lundog it? One dog at thirty three freaking minutes. His entire draft. He spent thirty three minutes on the clock to make twenty picks. <laughs> his his entire draft was fourteen minutes longer than our average pick. Oh jeez. <laughs> Oh, that hurts. <laughs> <laughs> so he was the fastest. Second fastest was was, uh, was Matthew at at King Jersey Duck. Yep. So we're gonna throw them in for sure. And then, uh, um, we also we're gonna pick what we think is the best roster. And yeah, we'll exclude ours because that would be a slam dunk. Ours is the <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll have, uh, we'll have the, the, what we, what we believe to be the, the best roster. And then, uh, we're also going to go off of, uh, and then we'll pick a fourth person who we think, um, broke down their, uh, their draft and their strategy the best. Um, and you know, was most persuasive in, uh, selling us on a roster that we didn't think was the best. Um, and then we're going to have those four compete in a uh, hundred yard, a uh, hundred yard rush on at a hundred yard, one hundred yard rush dot com uh, to uh, for that uh, that free uh, six month premium access to Dynasty League Football dot com. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, we'll we'll do that at the end. Um, but first we want to go ahead and break down this draft and we want to get these guys' thoughts on, uh, on their draft. So let's get started. I'll, I'll just, I'm just going to tell you, um, we're going to go, you know, uh, 
player by player, or, you know, GM by GM here, get their thoughts on, uh, on their draft. And then I want to ask you, um, you know, get your thoughts on these too. So let's start with at Jaber in 517 picked at 103 and started with Kyler Murray. He said, Kyler's my quarterback too. I was stoked to get him. Uh, I was stoked when he fell to me, young quarterback on a spread offense with rushing ability, easy money. Uh, then he pairs him with Jalen Hurts, rushing upside hit quarterback all over the place here. Last quarterback in the tier, young quarterback with rushing ability. Hopefully no one takes his job. It was tough, tough to pass up a skill position, but having two top-tier quarterbacks is a huge advantage, uh, which we know is uh, obviously a fact. Um, at 303, he got Travis Kelsey. I wanted to take a running back or wide receiver, but it's so nice to not play tight end roulette all season. Wanted to get a top four tight end in this draft, and the value is too good here. Uh, then he gets Zeke Elliott at 410 and Aaron Jones at 503. It's a pretty deadly combo right there. Started the I mean, draft. the values he's getting this to have yeah. like Kelsey fall to him there and then Zeke and Aaron Jones, like the values that he's continued to get. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think so too. Um, it, on Aaron Jones, he said 18 picks until I pick again. Uh, the running back quality is likely to be much worse next round. So I snagged another top tier running back for the next two years. Um, as long as Rodgers is back. And I, I think Aaron Jones will be will still be pretty good even if Rodgers doesn't play. No way they want Love doing much this early, which I kind of I agree with that too. I think that, you know, if, if Rodgers wasn't there, I think that that actually makes it a better situation for Aaron Jones. I mean, it certainly helps to have a credible passing game, mm -hmm. but like the volume increases even more for Aaron Jones. So then at 601 and 703, he gets Chris Godwin and Deontay Johnson. A little worried about too many mouths to feed in Tampa Bay this year, but he's still young um, in a contract year due to the tag. Uh, and then 104, 144 targets for Deontay Johnson last year, despite the drops and in injuries. Pittsburgh still has O-line issues, so I could see them running uh, through the air again this year. Lots of passing volume coming there in uh, in Pittsburgh. 801 and 903, he got Jerry Judy and Kenny Galladay. <laughs> this is nuts. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. The pick was between, for Kenny Galladay, the pick was between rookie wide receivers or Kenny G. Decided to go for the proven commodity that got paid this offseason. I mean, I think that we're both firmly on board with that with that decision right yeah uh, yeah i love the judy pick and the galladay pick to be completely honest with you yeah i mean he might have just got in the you know eighth and ninth round he might have just got the number one wide receiver in two of those two of those offenses so uh, yeah i mean i still think sutton's number one in denver but like Holiday's easily the number one mm -hmm. in the, in New York. Yeah. Uh 1001 and eleven oh three. He got Taysom Hill uh for his third quarterback. Uh QB three for me. There's a chance he's a starter. Not many starting quarterbacks at this point. And then he got Curtis Samuel as well. Uh, I love Curtis Samuel, like for that kind of <laughs> I mean my here's my only criticism on that one though. When's Curtis Samuel going to start for you? You know, when you've got Galladay, Judy, Godwin, and uh, who is the other one that, that he's got? I mean, his, he's very, Deontay Johnson. very deep at wide receiver. Yeah, honestly. But the values he keeps getting, and we know we can try to trade a little bit. I'm trying to not like. <laughs> criticize that too much because I mean because I am kind of concerned his running backs being just Aaron Jones and Zeke I, I love the values he got on those running backs but the elder running backs being your top two at some point in, in a dynasty league you'd have to you'd have to be trading some of your wide receivers away for quarterbacks and running backs 
but yeah. the, the way these values fall, I'm trying to not critique it too much, but I, I agree with you. Like he is getting to a point where he's really deep at wide receiver. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of hurting the other positions. That's, that's kind of the issue with it. But so far, this is a loaded uh, roster at the top. Um, let's see what it turns into from here. At 1210 and 1303, he gets Melvin Gordon and Jalen Rager. Um, uh, let's see. Fingers crossed for a post-type breakout plus Hertz and Rager stack, basically gold. See, I like that a lot, and it makes mm-hmm. the Curtis Samuel pick even more, honestly, a little bit more irrelevant. Like, a little bit of a wasted pick because now, you know, Jalen Rager with that, that stack with Hertz, that feels like that feels a lot more viable than, uh, getting Curtis Samuel into your roster too, you know? So I'm trying to find like the Curtis Samuel pick and cause like Curtis Samuel, then it's Irv Smith comes next, then Brandon cooks. And then here's like where we come in and take <laughs> AJ Dillon. So I was going to say who was there for him, but at the point, like with the way his team is looking, I think that AJ Dillon, instead of that Curtis Samuel pick there. And then with your saying about the, his next, the Rager pick making it even more irrelevant, like, man, AJ Dillon would have looked really nice right there. Yes. Yeah. And and he even acknowledged when he made the pick for Melvin Gordon. He said Melvin Gordon is still going to be a big part of the Denver offense. The value's too good here. Plus, I'm thin at running back. You know, so that's kind of mm-hmm. that. It sounds like that was a big piece of this. Is is what can I do at running back? And then so at fourteen ten, he gets Chuba Hubbard. Uh, when CMC got hurt last year, Mike Davis looked like a stud. Never rooting for injuries, but the upside is huge here. Man, I freaking love Chuba Hubbard. Like, I know that this was more kind of a depth play, and I think that that's what Chuba Hubbard is good for. That's what you want from him. But man, like, I it like it feels it's gonna feel to a lot of people like a reach to take Chuba Hubbard at fourteen ten. You know, um, like he feels like a end of the draft type of pick, but like. To me, uh, and just like you know, just like Joe said here, uh, you're you're one CMC injury away from Chuba Hubbard just being like. To me, I think that he would be a better option than Mike Davis was, even if he had mm-hmm. that role. So I love that one. Yeah, and I mean, some of the players that you're, I mean, it's like Marvin Jones, Geo. Darrington Evans came off the board next. Some of those guys that the upside of, of Hubbard is, is much. I, if, if, if unfortunately McCaffrey goes down, I like Hubbard better than I liked Mike Davis last year. Yep. So yeah. Yeah. Same here. Uh, fifteen Oh three. He got Gerald Everett, my tight end too. Russ is always like tight ends. Uh, maybe he finally finds his guy. Uh, 1610 is Kyle Trask. 1703 is Amari Rogers. Uh, 1810, Javian Hawkins. I have no faith in Mike Davis. Maybe Hawkins is a guy. It's a dart throw. It's kind of the same thing. Um, but you know, there's, there's yet another path. It's not just the injury to Mike Davis. There's a chance that Javian Hawkins just straight up outplays him. Yeah. You know, he's certainly not the, not in the, doesn't have the alpha status that uh that Christian McCaffrey has in Carolina. So mm-hmm. and then uh 1903 is Elijah Mitchell. He's a dart throw San Francisco riders uh running back seem to be interchangeable in the past few years. Maybe he is the guy for a few weeks and I can trade high. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. Yeah. What do you how do you feel about this roster overall? I mean, I really like this team. I feel like he really took advantage of letting the draft just kind of fall to him and taking advantage of the the values, honestly. I think that it's a great roster. I think that to be competitive continually in the dynasty landscape, it, it needs some work over the year, but I think it's completely ready to go into the season. You know, for me, if it had like even one more quarterback that's a, a starter week one and one more 
younger running back, it would look a lot different. But I was looking in the areas he was getting, like Chris Godwin and Kenny Galladay and Jerry Judy. And I mean, I'm I, I'm a huge guy that thinks James Robinson is going to be fine for this year, but I'm not taking James Robinson over Jerry Judy. And that's kind of, that's the area he took Jerry Judy, you know, so right. it, it's hard to knock, man. I, I really like what he did here. And I think that in a situation where it was his real team, he's got assets just in wide receivers to be able to take care of his, his needs, especially running back. I don't think it'll be too hard to go get a running back like Dave Montgomery or something. Yeah. So I think what we're, we'll do in order to, uh, to pick the best roster, we're just going to kind of go, we're going to play King of the Hill here. And, uh, so right now, right now, Joe's the standard. So do you watch, uh, um, Hell's Kitchen? No. Like where they do that. They'll have like kind of like a King of the Hill thing type thing where, and you have to beat the best dish. Oh, then, awesome. Like as they taste it and you'll be like, oh, it's pretty good, but. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. We'll do that. <laughs> so Jay Burn, Joe, this is your big moment. Yeah. <laughs> you've, 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 you're here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's, let's and, and look honestly, at like props to him too. I think he did a good job writing it up. So I'm going to, I mean, I think that he's got a really good team and, and some pretty good write-ups. So I'm going to note both those. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. All right. Uh, losing my bets, Michael Gary Scott. <laughs> I I don't it, like his name might actually be Michael Scott. I'm not totally sure. <laughs> so, um, I'm just going to assume that it is. And, uh, yeah. Middle I looked Gary. at his team instantly the last time you read it because it's called Losing My Bed. So I was like, huh, is it? I mean, he's probably really good and he's just got like some <laughs> ironic name. Yeah. So we'll see how you do. Yeah. Well, 104. Scott. Yeah. <laughs> MSG or MGS. Uh, uh, 104. He took Lamar Jackson. Tough call between Lamar and CMC here, but knowing the type of people I'm drafting with in a John Hogue mock. I went quarterback knowing they'd be hard to come by later. So he just won the, the write-ups. <laughs> That's so funny. I even talked to John during this mock, and I'm like, Jesus, this is such a pain in the ass, dude. I don't know if people are just, like, drafting this way because they're drafting with you or what, but quarterbacks uh, are gone, dude. It, yeah. I mean, it's been happening all off season. Um, and sometimes, sometimes it's because they, they know that it's me. Although like I'm one person out of 12, like I can only, t I, I can only take so many quarterbacks, you know, like, yep. it, I don't know. Like it's, it's, I don't think it's just me. I, I think that maybe I kind of, uh, guided it in that direction, but there's a lot of people on board with, with the idea that. Like at the very least you go quarterback early and it's funny because I mean, like I've, I've kind of talked about this, but to me, like if you're not going to go quarterback extreme, there actually isn't much of a reason to go quarterback early, but that's, uh, that's, that's the move that a lot of people end up making, um, in these mock drafts. It's been that way all off season. So, but, uh, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's kind of fair to assume that that was going to be the case again. So he started with Lamar Jackson over Christian McCaffrey, a less seasoned super flex player is not going to make that move, you know, and yeah. they're going to, they're probably going to regret it when it gets back to them in the second round. Uh, so at two Oh nine, Justin Jefferson, um, love the value here of, for my wide receiver one overall. 304, he gets A.J. Brown. Been mocking A.J. Brown in the mid to late second recently, so love getting him in the early third. And then at 409, he gets Stephon Diggs. I don't usually start out snagging my wide receiver three in round four, but this value is too good to pass up. I mean, like, how could we possibly disagree with that? Yeah. I He might have just got, I, I mean... He's got three wide receiver ones. Yeah, and... You know, Devontae Adams is number one for me, but if he loses Aaron Rodgers, like this, uh, you know, Michael, uh, Michael Scott here might have just ended up with the top three wide receivers in yeah. all of Dynasty. 
I mean, uh, like Tyreek Hill probably belongs in the conversation still, but man, like that's a, it's a tough trio to, to, to argue with there. Mm-hmm. Uh, 504, he got Travis Etienne. Um, and, and said, you know, still feeling like the value is at receiver right now, but need to lock in my first running back. Uh, 609, he gets Derek Carr. Um, 704, Chris Carson. So now we're looking at Carson and Etienne at running back with those stud wide receivers. 809, Kareem Hunt. And 904, Adam Thielen. Uh, continuing, continuing to hammer running back after going quarterback wide receiver early. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, Adam Thielen. And again, like, honestly, the, the Thielen pick is probably a little bit overkill. I think it was value-based. But, man, at that point, it feels like you still you still pass on a wide receiver. Even though it's good value at wide receiver, it's still, when are you going to start that guy? When you've yeah, got those another thing, studs? too, like, and, John, I know you don't like wide receiver depth any way you slice it like it's just not your thing but i mean at this point like this is where if you do want a wide receiver i feel so good about the the first wide receivers you drafted just in justin jefferson Diggs, aj brown this is where i'm i'm starting to get my youth i want the guys a little bit below this i want elijah moore i want debo samuels i want jalen waddle i want lavisca chanel um I'm not a Bateman guy, but I mean, I want, I want all these young guys at this point over Adam Thielen. Cause I think he's on his way out. And I know that you have Justin Jefferson. So you have those wide receivers, but I mean, you're starting those first three. And then after that, we're, we're worrying about the future and you have so much wide receiver depth that if that was the direction I was going to stay, I would have had to take the young wide receivers at that point, I just think they offer you so much more flexibility moving forward. For yeah. How, for how deep you already were. You didn't need a stud that was going to hit for you at this year at that point. Yeah. And that's kind of like, that's, that's kind of, you know, taking advantage of the, you know, reaping the fruits of your labor, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, going with those three core, those three wide receivers early you know, that was hard to do. You had to pass up on some good running backs or, yeah. uh, you know, running backs and quarterbacks. Um, but, you know, there's there is a benefit to it that that you get out of that, which is the fact that, you know, now you don't have to. First of all, you can just completely ignore the wide receiver position for a while. Yeah. Um, but and then, yeah, like you said, I mean, take some high upside dart throws when you do get back to wide receiver. Um, you know, you've kind of put yourself in a, in a position to be able to do that. So, right. Um, but I mean, it's still like the, that wide receiver group is just, I I'm curious what's going to happen from here. Cause I'm just, I'm still, you know, very jealous of the, of the wide receiver group, uh, 10 Oh nine and 11 Oh four. He gets Mike Jasicki and our, and, uh, Irv Smith jr. So uh, double tapping low end tight end ones, one of them will pan out, right? Right? <laughs> you know, I, I like. I, yeah, both I think both I, I of like them both will. The tight ends, yeah. I think Gasecki's undervalued, and and Irv Smith. I mean, he could have. Uh, man, are you a Vikings fan? Me? No. Um, oh. <laughs> oh. Uh, Scott. Oh yeah, he's got a little bit of a stack going there. Yeah. That might be. Yeah. He's got their whole all their all their weapons. <laughs> yeah. But I do yeah. like Irv Smith. I think with Kyle Rudolph gone, yes. that he he stands a chance for some targets there. I think Irv Smith's been waiting for this. Same with Gasecki, though. I think that he's gonna have a quarterback upgrade. I know John's not all in on Tua, but I think that Gasecki's kind of been overlooked a little bit this this offseason. So yeah, yeah. I, I can I don't mind either of these tight ends here. I, I like Tua, don't love him, but I mean, I think that, you know, in a, in a situation like that where you're not, you know, if you're not sold on the quarterback, you have to think about, you know, what it would look like for this quarterback to, you know, to be competent. It's going to feature the tight end like the He's going to be looking for the tight end a lot, you know, like. Mm-hmm. 
especially it's not the greatest group of wide receivers. It's not horrible, but it's not, it's not anything to write home about. Like there's a good chance that Jasicki is, you know, kind of his, uh, his primary target. So by the way, Mm -hmm. to me, when you've got, if you don't end up with one of the, the elite level tight ends, this is the way to do it. Wait on it and then double tap it. Get a couple of those high upside guys. And for the exact reason that he mentioned, which is, you know, you get both of them with the idea that at least one of them is going to pan out. So I love that move. Yep. Uh, It kind of made up for the Adam Thielen mistake back there. (laughs) 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 Uh, 12.09 and 13.04, he gets Teddy Bridgewater, his uh, third quarterback, um, and uh, Raheem Mostert. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater, he says, grabbing the last guy available who can take a legitimate, who can take legitimate snaps at QB this year, which, uh, you know, to me, Teddy Bridgewater has a very good chance of winning that job. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. Uh, yeah, Raheem Mostert at 13 and then 1409 and 1504, he gets Jamal Williams and Latavius Murray. So we're building up that running back depth all of a sudden. 1609 gets James White. Um, and then back to wide receiver at 1704 with Traquan Smith. Uh Tevin Coleman in 1809. And then 1904, Cole Beasley. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if I want to read his comment. <laughs> uh, you know what? I'm gonna do it. LMFAO fuck this guy, but he did another wide receiver. And think he's got another year or two in the tank uh, unless he goes completely off the rails. <laughs> Had to you read that one. Mr. Beast things. <laughs> <laughs> so he ends up with good running back depth. Uh not a lot of it, not a lot of quarterback um floor, we'll say that. Uh um, you know, it, that that great wide receiver group at the top. Um, and then, he, I mean, he didn't overly focus on it late in the draft. Uh, Traquan Smith and Cole Beasley both, it's kind of the same thing. Like, you know, bye weeks, that's kind of what Adam Thielen is there for, for you, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. How, how do you feel about this, uh, this roster as a finished product? I, I like the team. I like the wide receiver depth a lot. I feel like the I feel like those wide receivers, the AJ Brown, the Justin Jefferson, and the Diggs pick were kind of the highlight of the draft though. Mm-hmm. And then because of those picks, I feel like we were always swimming for a running back. And I feel like some of those picks were kind of wasted when there were other positions around there. Like the wide receivers I would have liked around Chris Carson. I like more than the running backs that you're getting around Adam Thielen, for example, you know what I mean? So the wide receivers, when you're in that Adam Thielen area, the running backs are gone to where you're almost forced back into wide receivers, which is why I like to get my running backs out of the way a little bit earlier. So I I just feel like Jamal Williams, Daryl Williams, James White, Latavius Murray, Raheem Mostert, Tevin Coleman, like, it's a bunch of like my fingers are hurt from being crossed so tight, wishing for bad things so that my lineup is relevant. Whereas when we have two and three wide receiver sets and I can still find ways to put those 10 to 12 points into my flex spot while you're waiting for an injury. I I love how this team started. I just, I think went a little too heavy on wide receiver. See, I love his running back makeup. <laughs> like that's that's kind of my type of build at running back. But um it, like, yeah, I'm 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 with you. I think that the third at least the third wide receiver there, Stefan Diggs ended up being a great value uh in I the agree. fourth round. I do agree. Uh but I, I think that I might have passed on Diggs for a better running back, knowing that if Diggs fell to the fourth round. That means guys like Amari Cooper probably falling to the fifth and sixth round, you know, um, guys like, uh, uh, 
Uh, I mean, Odell Beckham Jr. Who are some of like, kind of the other guys in that? Right, Kenny well, Galladay. What if like Justin Jefferson was like Nick Chubb or DeAndre Swift or yeah. somebody like that, and yeah. then or even uh, and those were players he could have had. And then what if who else here? What was the other one? You know, or even Joe Mixon, and and then you still got Stefan Diggs at 409 and you started your wide receivers there and then you can still get Diggs, Calvin Ridley, Terry McLaurin, mm-hmm. Keenan Allen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So yeah. I do get what you're saying. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to argue with that group of wide receivers. Um, I, know. I, I, know. I do think that it, that it represents a little bit of a missed opportunity. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's still that's I'm trying to be Chef Ramsey, dude, and that's a really hard job because he can be hard on people. Yeah, so I'm trying to be Chef Ramsey. I'm gonna make you be Chef Ramsey on this one and make the final decision. If he did, he <laughs> did he knock I, Jay Burns meal off the table? I think it's still Jay Burn, um, just barely. But it's uh, it's super close between the two. Burns analysis off the table. I think so. Yeah, I mean, with the Cole Beasley thing alone, I'm gonna give it. <laughs> Losing my bets, you have mo- you you've earned yourself a spot. Yeah, so now. far, at least so far. Yeah, you're there. Uh, let's look at El Cunado. Uh, it started off with Christian McCaffrey at 105. Um, he uh, said, "I took CMC here because it's." points per game last year was actually higher than any other player quarterbacks included um it was just such a small sample size so but he said too big of a difference uh too big of a difference maker to pass up here so it's an interesting point i mean you know back-to-back years where his his you know mccaffrey's points per game were just in the stratosphere so it wasn't that he was dropping off it's just that he you know, he just didn't play enough in 2020. So yeah, it was, it was interesting. And, and, you know, Michael on the pick before it, he said that it was between McCaffrey and Jackson. So um, I think everybody's kind of on board with McCaffrey right in that range. Mm-hmm. Uh, 208 and 305, he gets DeAndre Hopkins and George Kittle. Um on Hopkins, he said, I don't often see Hopkins ranked as a wide receiver one in Dynasty, but he's the first wide receiver I'm taking off the board here. I don't think there's another player that provides wide receiver one upside with a wide receiver one floor that Hopkins possesses. Man, like the, I, that's hard to argue with, too. I think, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, Devontae Adams, I think, belongs in that conversation, but the guys that end up at the top of most people's rankings at wide receiver. Again, it's Jefferson, it's Brown, it's Diggs. I mean, I don't think that they have the floor that Hopkins has. I really don't. So I, I, yeah. I like that point. Um, For George Kittle, he says a little worried about what the offense will look like with Trey Lance and how it'll affect his usage, but I'm still excited about Kittle. Uh, 408. Takes Clyde Edwards Alaire. So that made Hopkins the first wide receiver off the board in this draft. Oh, is that right? Nice. Yep. Just, just okay. had to check that out. Yeah. And then I mean Justin Jefferson was wide receiver too. There's got to be some style points to that for yeah. saying yeah. you know, for saying this is my wide receiver one and I'm taking him as such. Yeah, freaking love it. Yeah. Uh yeah, 408 and 505, Clyde Edwards Alaire and Keenan Allen. Um 608, he finally gets his first quarterback. It's Daniel Jones. Um, and then 705, he gets Mac Jones. Uh, 608, uh, Daniel Jones, he says, this late in the draft, I'll take the rushing upside youth and upgraded receiving core of Daniel Jones as my first quarterback off the board. I agree with that. Uh, I, I kind of like Daniel Jones this year, man. Like they've put some good uh, some good weapons around him. Um, didn't you, didn't, isn't he your Josh Allen? I think so. I think said, he's. Gonna... I'm not quoting you. You said something like <laughs> something looking like for that. your Josh Allen like this year, like, and then you kind of noted he added this guy, healthy Ingram. Galladay's this guy. He deserves more than this guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I kind of like uh, I like Daniel Jones for a big breakout, man. Like a, a, a kind of top five, top eight type of uh, type of upside with that group. Um, and then with Barkley back too, mm-hmm. uh, Mac Jones. I think Mac is going to surprise people this year and be a solid QB two for the next couple of years. Yes, um, is what John says. So yeah, kind of like that one too. I like um, that. Yeah. Uh, 808, he gets Cooper Cup. Uh, 905, he gets Elijah Moore. Uh, this one was between Moore and Chenault for me. I have high hopes for both of these young wide receivers. Which of those two are you taking? I'm taking Elijah Moore, actually. Really? I'm with okay. him. I like Chenault a lot. I think that he has a, a good chance of being very viable. I think that people want Shark to fail a little bit too much. And that that has boosted Chanel up. I really like Elijah Moore as somebody closer to AJ Brown in in the finished pro- product. To be honest with you, and I think that he's going to be really nice with Zach Wilson. I, I think that he made the right choice here. It's it's tough, you know, especially because with what he already did with his team and the the gonads that he used when he took DeAndre Hopkins as his wide receiver one. Um. He, I, I could say maybe you could have taken Chanel and still later trade for Elijah Moore, but I think here I'm probably taking Elijah Moore too. Yeah. It, it's close. I, I like both those players. Yeah, that's fair. It, yeah, for sure. Um, 10.08, he gets Rondale Moore. And then 11.05, Brandon Cooks. That Rondale Moore pick is interesting to me. And he says, I was hoping that Cam would fall so I compare him with Mac Daddy. Rondale Moore is an incredible athlete in what should be a high-scoring offense this year. Not a bad consolation prize. Not at um, all. One of the youngest wide receivers in this class, too. So he's been yeah. playing about against all the same-age competition while he's younger. So yeah. young breakout age. So my issue with it is, you know, back to talking about, you know, the wide receivers on your bench. When are you ever going to start them? There's an added piece to that where he already has DeAndre Hopkins. It feels really hard to start both Hopkins and Rondell Moore mm, at the same time. I see what you're saying. I you know, see what you're saying. It, they they kind of cannibalize you. They cap each other's upside a little bit. So I don't know. It, it might be different with that spread offense and you know very different roles, um, volume for Hopkins and and yards after catch for Moore, but it still feels like that's going to be a hard move to ever make. Mm-hmm. Uh, 1208 Terrace Marshall, 1305 Marquise Brown. We're kind of getting a lot of wide receivers again. So, uh, let me see. Uh, I want to, I want to get his thoughts on Terrace Marshall. Cause now he's got three rookie wide receivers. I can't stop drafting what receivers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I feel like I'm getting great value though. Um, yeah, he's then, in a super fun area of the draft when he's getting some of them too. Yeah. <laughs> Looking yeah. at him now. <laughs> so here's a nice move at the 14 15 turn. 1408 and 1505, he gets Terod Taylor and Davis Mills. Uh, there you go. He, yeah. Needed a second week one starter. Uh, Terod is exactly that. I'm not expecting much, but six to eight weeks, weeks of a starting quarterback should keep me competitive until the Big Mac takes over in New England. And then uh, pairing Mills and Tarad should give me a pretty good shot at owning the Houston starter every week. Uh, this is necessary depth for me. Hopefully it'll keep me competitive on bye weeks. Um, yeah, so, man, like I had pretty much eliminated him in my mind <laughs> because, <laughs> of, because of waiting until the sixth round to take a quarterback. He ended up with a decent group of quarterbacks here. Um, doesn't have the stud that anybody else has, but you know, back to the flywheel and quarterback extreme, it's not about stud quarterbacks. It's about having enough quarterbacks to catch the good weeks, you know, to catch the good matchups. So he's, he's right there with everybody else. And as far as that goes, you know? Yeah. And he's got the team around him, uh, that, should be able to uh to be competitive too. So 
1705, Ramondre Stevenson and Nelson Aguilar. Um, let's see. Uh, on Stevenson, he says, this pick is on brand with the Mac attacks eventual takeover in New England. The run game should increase in value. I think Stevenson's talent might surprise some people this year. He's a naturally built goal line back with pretty solid pass catching ability as well. I love, I don't know about you. I love Ramondre Stevenson. Like, yeah, I like him. I, I like him. I think it could be him and Harris there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think Harris is kind of the, the primary back, but yeah, man, Stevenson might push Sony Michelle just out completely. Mm-hmm. Like that could be a, a one of those sneaky training camp cuts that we always talk about. Yeah. Um, eighteen oh eight, Andy Dalton. So you know, gets a gets a shot at a at least a short term quarterback. Started for um, the beginning of the year there. Yeah. Uh, nineteen oh five is Diami Brown, yet another rookie wide receiver. So, man, plenty of those to go around what do you think about this roster 